time enthusiastic but limited left-back and first-time podcast host Dan Gallion, welcome to the very first episode of Indies Till I Die. Our aim for the pod is to reveal more about the Indies characters we all know and love through a series of illuminating conversations about football. Our first guest needs absolutely no introduction, but I have written one so I'm going to read it out. He's our railway club captain, a member of the club committee, and has almost 100 caps in the famous blue and white. He was also once told he had nothing to live for by a 16-year-old Rovers attacker. Welcome to the podcast, Etty Albin. Hi, Dan. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, an absolute pleasure. Thanks for coming on. Um, Etty, as we chat today here in Guernsey, we're in our, our second lockdown, which has halted a pretty spectacular season for Indies. Just what was the last game you actually played in? Uh, so, well, the last game I played was a week and a half ago uh, for the Vets in a friendly against Bells. So I uh, played the first half in goal which wasn't spectacular. And then Jim managed to uh, allow me the second half up top. And I showed him 50 seconds in, I scored. But before that, my uh, last proper game was our 1-0 win against North in Div 3 just before Christmas. The one where Jacques was too hungover to drive himself to the game, so I had to go pick him up. Um, I played centre-back. We were under the cosh for about 90 minutes. Then one of their players got sin-binned, and then Jacques leapt like a salmon. And scored a winner. What a day. Uh, particularly hungover salmon, or a rapidly sobering up salmon, I guess. Pickled, <laughs> if you will, uh, in, in the state that he was in. Um, let's, let's go a bit further back than just before Christmas, although that already feels like a very long time ago. Um, what's your earliest footballing memory? Uh, I think the earliest game that I remember watching on TV, at least, was, I think it was the 1999 Champions League final. Um, so it was United, the classic Bayern, United yeah. against Bayern. Mm-hmm. I was a bit, I was only seven, I think, or nearly seven. So I don't, I didn't quite understand the full, you know, significance of the comeback, but I just remember everyone being absolutely shocked. Um, so I remember that the first physical game, professional game that I went to see uh, was uh, Nottingham Forest against Burnley. Uh, I looked it up and it was 2000. I always Excellent. thought that Forrest won 5-1, but I was mistaken. It was actually 5-0, so I've just oh. invented a goal somewhere. Invented an away goal for the yeah. underdog. Something you've got but, um, doing throughout your football career, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what, what would I that have been then? Ch- championship or, or, I guess? Uh, Division 1, I think. Division 1 at the time. So I think, um, my my mum has friends up near Nottingham, so we used to go up yeah. every half term. And this one year, they stuck me and uh, you know the friend's son in the forest soccer school for the week and uh at the end of the week they're like oh yeah everyone's got tickets for the game on saturday but that is my first and so far only footballing medal so i was (laughs) i was the coach's most improved player at the forest that's quite the accolade to get isn't it most improved (laughs) is always a good one to to have yeah i mean you know just you know shows are growing (laughs) uh excellent um I've, i've been to the city ground it's quite nice on the on the trent there in nottingham yeah, I think I've been twice. I think I saw Pompey maybe a few years later with oh, Teddy yeah. Sheringham. Oh, very good, elite yeah. level. Uh, for some of our younger listeners, Teddy Sheringham was a uh, England striker in the uh, in the nineties, uh, who also scored in that Champions League final. That came did, up yeah. Earlier. Um, t- talk us through your your youth football career in Guernsey. Then, did did you have one to speak of? Uh, a lot uh, of people obviously played minis, as it's uh, known. Yeah, so I started out at Rovers minis. Uh, probably quite expected for a Kobo boy. But I think it was more because my cousin's grandpa was the president of Rovers. So we were the same age. So we just went there together. So it was not fine. Out, not out of a sense of parish kind of patriotism. No. No. Um, but uh, yeah, I was never that fussed at minis football. 
our team at Rovers and our age group was had a lot of good players. So I kind of always felt they was just, you know, they were left to get on with it. And then I was stuck at right back and didn't really care. I used to uh, used to really enjoy when it got rained off, which obviously was quite common at Portsmouth <laughs> because I'd always, I always used to get picked up to go to football uh, midway through Pokemon when it was on TV. And I always oh, yeah. used to be gutted because I'd see the first half of the episode, but never actually get to see the end. So I'd seen, you know, I'm not sure if I've seen a full episode of Pokemon, <laughs> just lots of first halves. <laughs> no, and then uh, all the SMTV songs that they used to have accompanying yeah, it. Yeah, you know, missed it. it Gone. Yeah. <laughs> so how long, how long did you play there then? Was it pretty much all of your uh, childhood? Yeah, so I played minis and then started going through the youth divisions. I can't remember yeah. uh, exactly when I left. I think it was around secondary school uh, or start mm-hmm. of secondary school when I kind of lost interest completely. Yeah, I suppose that's when a more kind of structured league system kicks in, isn't it, in Guernsey from, from memory? Yeah. Kind of, I, I lost interest in watching, playing, following. It was just gone. Okay. Do you, could, do you know why that is? Um, no, I don't think. I think I just lost Naturally. interest in sport. You know, as I became a moody teenager, it's kind of hmm. just give me music and punk rock instead. It's tough to be into punk rock and new metal without wishing to prejudge anyone um, and, and maintain a sporting career. <laughs> yeah, it, it just don't make sense. So, so you stopped being interested in your early teens then. When did you get back into the game, do you think? Uh, I reckon I was about 16-ish. So I kind of got back in, or got into rugby, first of all, um, yeah. uh, the year before, probably. And I think that kind of just reignited my interest in sport altogether. Um, so I obviously started playing rugby. And then I remember kind of, it started with watching the big games. So I remember watching, you know, cup finals, Euro 2008. Yeah, and that's that's when I started being interested in football again. And then you know you start playing five-a-side, small-sided games. Um, yeah, yeah. And then it, w- once you do that, it snowballs. <laughs> yes, yeah, like any uh, kind of gateway. Uh, five-a-side is gateway football, I guess. Um, so you say you're, you're around sixteen. Obviously, um, ar- around that time, your body's going through changes. You've felt feelings you've not felt before. And, and you told me earlier one of those feelings was a bit of a soft spot for for Tottenham. Um, how, how did that develop? Did you support them when you were a kid or was it, is it a family link or why Spurs? Um, Which is a no, question. so I come from a United supporting family, mm. unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but as I was saying, watching cup finals, the 2008 League Cup where Chelsea, uh, Spurs beat Chelsea 2-1 after extra oh, yeah. time. I was watching that and that was kind of one of the first, obviously being early in the year, that was one of the first kind of games that I watched and I saw, you know, I remember Woodgate powering it in in uh, extra time and suddenly I just thought oh these guys are quite cool and uh yeah obviously the the start of the following season was an absolute mess and uh Juan de Ramos got sacked oh magic one day Ari came in turned it all around it was you know you'd be winning games four three and I just thought oh this is this is it you know and there's just something about supporting Spurs because you know they try to do things the right way play nice football but at the end of the day, you're a bit Spursy. So it's a bit, you know, there's some romanticism yeah, yeah. in there. That's nice. I'm sure that will chime with a, with a lot of our listeners who uh, will, uh, <laughs> will re- uh, recognise that feeling and that emotion all too well. So that was the Tottenham uh, infamous kind of two points from eight game season when Harry arrived and quoted that, uh, that stat was, yeah. throughout the entire year as, uh, as his rescue job was on. <laughs> um, what, what's it like being a Spurs fan now in uh, January 2021? 
Uh, you've got a lovely um, new stadium that nobody can go to, obviously. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's getting better. Uh, losing the Champions League final and then Poch getting sacked was obviously a low point. Last season, generally, was pretty crap. Um, that was, I managed to get to uh, the new stadium just before lockdown. I think it was kind of right. maybe 10 days before so you know got that we lost against wolves so you know proper okay. experience but was the stadium um, everything it was uh, cracked up to be oh it was brilliant you know that is you know one of the key things that in 2021 you can kind of look forward to if anyone's ever allowed back yes and uh obviously we've got you know one cup final still in the fa cup still in the europa league we're doing all right in the league so 2021 is not too bad so far that's good things are looking up <laughs> um what about, um, you went off to uni, didn't you? So did, and that would yep. have been when, you, when you're back into, into sport. Did you play at all while you were there? Uh, yeah, well, not the first two years. Um, yeah. But then in my third year, I decided to, it was actually me and Daff, decided to join a football club, basically, I think. CFND's um, uh, stalwart Daff Griffiths there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, uh, I think I played, I played in a summer tournament when I was back in 2013 so just before my last year um for media united so you know precursor club and yep. uh got the buzz then so i thought you know what i'm gonna go go back to uni and play so that was uh yeah that was kind of my first taste of 11 aside since i was a kid and um, what was it just kind of intramural league or casual kind of sunday setup or just mates having a kick about uh, we were we were in the intramural league so we were the bottom of the pile you know didn't get to uh join the good the good teams <laughs> I think um, uni is quite a strange time to play sport, isn't it? Because obviously it's not, un- unless you're elite level, sorry, it's, it's not really a priority, I suppose, with all the studying and the associated um, aspects of university life that we all know about. Um, do, do you think it was your grounding there in the casual approach to it that, uh, that, that wet the appetite for a, for a future career with CF Indies? I mean, it, it definitely gave me a good grounding because we got humped every week. Um, <laughs> so that was nice. Something uh, that most students could only dream of, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i think um you know that that was a good grounding you know got used to losing which we did yeah. a lot of um but like i said that it was kind of that coupled with that summer tournament beforehand yeah. really got into playing football again and then suddenly after that like you say about five aside being a gateway yeah the football it's kind of you know after you've played 11 aside five aside just isn't the same anymore no, no, it's never as good. You're always chasing that uh, that next rush, aren't you? The next thrill. Um, uh, moved back from uni and, um, and you were telling me earlier, you signed up for Indies pretty much straight away, which I'm sure will be uh, unsurprising to most of our listeners who will know you as a uh, dyed-in-the-wool Indies player. Um, who or what actually got you into Indies? You mentioned that, that summer tournament, but how did you get uh, uh, scouted for that? Yeah, so it was all through John Fernandez. Um so obviously he finished uni the year before uh, yeah. I did. So he came back and obviously through his contacts in the media, started playing for media. Um, and then uh, our other mate, Ed, who obviously still plays for the club, um, they played uh, in that tournament and then the following season. So kind of yeah. throughout that season, I was, wasn't here. I was a bit gutted that I couldn't sign on. So yeah, I tried to keep up with the results as much as I could. Um, I actually made my unofficial debut for Media United one weekend that I came back from uni. So I right. played unregistered under the name of Patrick Laham. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if 
Klahan has ever actually played a game himself, but he no. must be one of the most capped players for the club because he was uh, he was the man back that's, in the day. That's good. I hope the statute of uh, limitations has run out on that particular um, offence <laughs> so that the GFA don't pull you up on it. Um, what a confession in episode one of the of the Indies Till I Die podcast to have um, wrangled out of the, the skipper there. Um, you, you scored quite a famous goal for Indies, which um, which some of our kind of uh, longer lasting or longer serving players w- w- will remember. Can you tell me about it? Yeah, well, I mean, it's my only competitive goal. So it's uh, the only one I've got to dine out on, really. Um, it might be a shock. I mean, we've already mentioned it, but we weren't very good back in the day. Um, so we we were playing at Vicky Ave against Bells and we were either 3-1 or 4-1 down at halftime. Um, and our goal was right. possibly the worst goal I've ever seen in my life. Um, <laughs> it was Tony Kerr in his first spell at the club. Uh, yeah, journeyman, take a long uh, journeyman midfielder Tony Kerr will be familiar to <laughs> many of our to, listeners. Yeah. Tried to take a long distance shot. Uh, didn't connect with it at all, and it just p-rolled right at the keeper, straight to him, and somehow he missed it, and it kind of bobbled through his legs. Um, so yeah, we were Massimo Taibbi style. Yeah, um, pretty, yeah. Uh, probably worse. Oh wow, even slower. Back in slow motion, basically. <laughs> um, so yeah, we found ourselves three or four one down at halftime, um, and then kind of we managed to get it back to four two, and you kind of think, oh, we might have a chance here. And uh, we had a free kick. It was hoofed into the box by one of our centre-backs and just found me at the back post, headed it back across the goal, looped round the keeper into the far corner. Um, so that made Staggering. it 4-3. And then kind of suddenly everyone's like, oh my God, we might get a point here. Obviously, this is at a time when points are at a premium. We, Absolutely. You know, don't win like we do anymore. Uh, and then we did manage to get it back to 4-3. 4 all, sorry. Yeah, and uh, we were just we were buzzing. And I think in that season, Bells only had two games where they didn't win, and one of them was right. our four-all draw. So you know that goal was special to me. So, so a hard-fought and well-earned point, and uh, you you played a key role in it. Clearly, I did. Yeah, sparking that belief. Um, <laughs> um, you you obviously had a long time out injured with with knee injuries. I think everyone will uh, know you as a founding member of the uh, the SKC, the shit knee club at, at CF Indies. Um, but you stayed involved with the club throughout that time and and ended up in the dugout a little bit, um, which you still do for your sins, really, don't you? In terms of playing that kind of um, play, yeah. player manager, player coach type type role, as well as uh, all the organisational work you do behind the scenes. Um, what what do you enjoy about coaching and uh, coaching? I use that term advisedly. Um, the the the, the team and and why do you think you've stuck with the extra responsibility yeah i've I've got coaching and in inverted commas in my notes as well yeah. So, <laughs> um yeah so i mean with my knee i spent about kind of 20 months i think out of the game um obviously by the time they realized that the first operation hadn't worked then i had two more than the recovery time yeah. um i just kind of wanted to stay involved obviously when you can't play it's frustrating so i thought oh you know if i can try and do a bit of the managing the team on game days, even if it's simple stuff like handing in the team sheet and yeah. making sure the rest paid, you know, you're still involved, but also it, it allow, I'm a bit of a, well, I'm a massive footballing nerd. Okay. So, you know, much like everything else in my life, but you know, so I really like the. Many of, many of our win. listeners will know that I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> really like the tactical side of the game as well. So uh, when Jim wasn't there, I could uh, just, 
I could put my own stamp on the team, you know, like trying out new things. Back threes were a favorite. They were flavor of the month. We got a few results and then just fell away. I was personally uh, a big fan of those. Effies. Yeah. What else did I try? Oh, there was a, there was a famous game where I had a strike partnership of two center backs, Chris crew and <laughs> goads. <laughs> and, uh, I think, we either nearly scored or did score, played yeah, really well, and yeah, then both of them got tired out. from running around after 10 minutes at the same point. Um, tough so for yeah. a centre-half up there. Centre-backs aren't very fit. No. Um, another, another good one was playing Scott Sparks as a false nine. That was fun. It was inventive. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. What's your, um, what's your footballing vision for indies? What, what would you say is your kind of um, managerial or coaching blueprint? Oh, see, I'd love to say that I'm all about expansive attacking football and, you know, we can win the league, play nice stuff like that. But it's, it's basically everyone sit back and hump it to Jack is about the, the option. Yeah, I Where played you on FIFA. Got? It's quite similar experience. <laughs> all about the loft of through balls. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's certainly working out this season uh, where, where we're flying, really, um, and getting some re- really, really good results. Um, what... What's it like being part of Indies? What do you enjoy about being part of it? Um, what keeps you coming back every week beyond the ability to um, try out your tactical innovations that you've been thinking about in the bath all week long? Uh, I think, you know, the club is, is quite unique in the kind of the, the culture of the uh, members that we've got. You know, it's not like anyone's on each other's backs. Uh, everyone can have a laugh. Um, you know, we, we do stupid things like this like F- football kit friday my greatest game yeah um, so, you know we're all about entertainment and japes as well as playing football <laughs> yes it's a big part uh, that if we got that in latin it would go well on the club crest i think <laughs> or uh, genesies sorry um <laughs> um cool brilliant well etty thanks very much um before you go i wonder if we might just um rattle through some quick fire questions oh, about kind of guernsey football um yeah. so what's your favorite pitch to play on in guernsey uh st peter's why? I know it's meant to be quick fire, but I don't really do that. Why? Uh, oh, it's just a really nice pitch. It's not very big, which suits our game. <laughs> you know, generally, generally like the games we played up there. It's quite, Fair enough. It's flat, which is good for a pitching Guernsey. And it gets you out to the country, la. Oh yeah. Uh, what's your favourite Indies moment beyond that wonderful goal? Ooh. Um, see, we've had so many last-minute winners, so that's quite hard to pick from. We have. We have. Uh, probably the one against Rovers. Last minute, tin, I think it was Tins tapping against Rovers because they've uh, been so gobbly the entire game. I was going to say, was that the same game I referenced in the in the intro? It, it when, was, uh, yeah. When that child said you had nothing to live for. Yeah. Um, that was cruel. He was particularly cruel, I thought. Um, and the last minute winner was just excellent. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, they should have had about five penalties and we won two ones. So. Yeah, just great stuff. Great, great stuff. Um, <laughs> what's your favourite Indies kit? Uh, the current one, traditional home, yeah, yeah. Home. nice. Okay, uh, before I let you go, can you tell us a little bit about the um, the club rebrand? Because I think you were fairly instrumental to that when we when we came up with our new name and, and new crest. Um, what do you think that meet, says about kind of our identity and, and who we are? Yeah, so uh, when so as we mentioned before, we we're pre, kind of precursor club was Media United and then Government United was the Vets team, yeah. um, and when they amalgamated, so that was kind of the first season. So the first game that I played was our first ever game as a unified club. Um, right. 
nobody could decide on a new name. So we were just United FC, which is the most generic and yeah. boringest name. We didn't have a crest. So knowingly so, I think. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> after a couple of years, I was just like, we need a proper name. We need a crest that we can put on a shirt. Um, so we tried various options. Uh, as we were designing crests, we had a, you know, an open competition in the group. Yeah. And uh, I think Russell, Isabel maybe mentioned that we should have some birds or something or a, a bird. And uh, Otto submitted about 70 with seagulls everywhere. And he went to town, didn't he? It was he did. some of them were, I would say, quite graphic as well. <laughs> yeah, I think seagulls and semen was the theme of Otto's crest. Yeah, well, I mean, subtitle of his autobiography, really. <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, so yeah, but in the end, we settled was... on a, a, a Genesier's name. Yeah, well. you know, I thought we should uh, be traditional, have a good uh, local name. It's good, Indies works. Yeah, if you absolutely. Don't use the full name in everyday conversation. Yes, and then and then our crest is uh, resembles the Argentine Primera team, does it? Independiente. Yeah, so we were obviously trying to look for uh, logos. I think something. One of the initial ideas was so obviously we played our early games at St Andrews, so it was initially a uh, St Andrews cross. Yeah. In there. But then it kind of we chopped a bit of it off and uh, followed the Independiente, obviously with the the name link as well. It worked quite well. Fits with our nomadic uh, status as well, as we uh, <laughs> attempt to have every ground in Guernsey as our home ground. We we will get there. It's like bingo. <laughs> Another proud record for the club, I'm sure. Um, Etty, this has been great. Thank you very much for your time. Lovely to chat football and lovely to chat indies. Um, catch Thanks you soon. Thanks for having me, Dan. It's been fun. Yeah, no problem at all. And uh, listeners do come back for episode two, which hopefully will uh, get approved after this pilot episode. See you soon. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Thank you.